listening to Not Good Enough, an aptly named Inadequate Response to Inadequate Responses. My name is Mitch Alexander. My name's Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. We got Isaac. I don't know about, is, it, is it okay to say aptly named? Like, we named it. It's, I think in this bit... one. It's always apt. Is yeah. it any more apt this week than other weeks? Yes, I think it is. I think the Daniel Andrews dropping the ball on locking down. We're locking down towers now. You've probably heard of it. But we've gone from locking down states to locking down suburbs to locking down uh, low-income government housing for certain people at a moment's notice too. Oh, sorry. Also, Isaac is here uh, with the fact checking and he's going to be leaving halfway through the app. So it, you just watch it peter off and just descend <laughs> into, into histrionic rambling about nothing. <laughs> I don't know, Mitch. I think you're dangerously close to saying that some national tragedies and disasters are worse than others. I think climate change, you know, we've got indigenous deaths in custody. We've got coronavirus. It is, I don't want to pick a favorite here. It is No, there's a strict hierarchy and you have to pick one. Really? Are we going to start ranking them? <laughs> yep. It's just so, I mean, the big thing the big thing for us this week, the big story that I think we at least want to talk about, um, just because it's happening like in suburbs next to our own, is oh, yeah. uh, yesterday at time of recording, it was uh, Saturday the 4th, Dan Andrews had a press conference at like 3 o'clock or 3.30, mm-hmm. announcing that from 4 o'clock that day, he was going to shut down uh, government housing blocks with up to 3,000 people in them. across yeah, nine, about, yeah. nine specific towers in yeah. Melbourne. Yeah, constituting about 1,300 units with about 3,000 people, just locked down for at least five days, starting immediately. Cops mm. swarmed the area. Um, there was no real... As far as I can tell from all the stuff that I've seen... Part of the utter bullshit and scariness of this was that while the press conference was going on, the cops were gearing up and went mm. out and started it. So if you weren't watching a Daniel Andrews <laughs> press conference on Saturday, you had mm-hmm. no fucking idea what was going on. If you were living in that tower block, you just had cops telling you, you can't leave. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, the, yeah. the first thing most of them knew about it was a shitload of cops turning up. And a lot of people were like, oh, no, has someone been stabbed? Is there a crime thing going on? Is this a drug bust? No, it turns out we now are not allowed to leave our houses, our apartments, not even to go to the laundry room or something for upwards of five days. And you you only know this because a cop is at your door telling you now you can't leave. Yeah, the uh, Rise Refugee Channel uh, switched over to be live tweets from uh, one of the guys that were actually in one of the flats that had been locked down. Mm. And uh, he was saying that they... Uh, weren't actually sure if they were allowed to take the bins out, like take their garbage down to the garbage room. Mm. And yeah, they like, oh, really yeah. poorly communicated. I suppose an important piece of context is that the towers are not locked down totally arbitrarily. They, uh, 23 people have tested positive mm. in those towers. So it's, it's a pretty highly concentrated um, site of the infection. Yeah. Um, yeah. But basically, yeah, they got that news and they were like, oh, right. So the, the hotspot of infection is, is, is poor people this time. So instead of like sending some cops out to lock down people in, in, in queue, like when the original hotspot was, was, was breaking out, they're like, well, let's, let's go. You know, like it's already built like a prison. So all we've got to do is just get some keys, right? Yeah, absolutely. Rice was also talking about like um, people who hadn't updated any of their ID and had like old addresses and stuff and they weren't allowed back into the building as soon as the mm. lockdown happened. Oh, God. It's just a nightmare. Or people being told that if you come in, you can't come out again. I bet there's a lot of people not going home now. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. But, yeah, like it's all these sorts of things like, you know, not being able to get medication reliably, not being able to get formula for your babies. 
um, mm. and just no sort of guarantee, like the guarantees about, you know, assistance for um, medication and food supply and those sort of things came later on in the piece and still like very vague guarantees of, of course, we'll support these. But like, yeah, you know, I think like McLean said, the, the, the buildings probably should have been locked down, though obviously there's an argument that if you're going to be locking down individual fucking housing blocks, just lock the state down. Yep. But regardless, okay, yeah. let's say hypothetically we can lock down suburbs, we can lock down buildings, we can lock down certain industries, whatever, whatever. The the response from the government to just swarm the place with an unprecedented amount of cops was what was so fucking galling to start mm. with. Um, the first thing we heard 500 about 500 cops. Yeah, the first thing we heard about this was there will be 500 officers per shift equaling about one cop for every six residents. They will be in your right. hallways, they will be at your doors, you won't be allowed in or out, blah, blah, blah. There was no mention of healthcare workers. There was no mention of translators, mental healthcare workers, whatever else, community mm. outreach work until the next day, today. So well, it what was- they said at, uh, yesterday was uh, the state government would be arranging for food, healthcare, and other essential services to be delivered. The details of how that will work have not been announced or discussed with residents. So cops can be done at a moment's notice, rolled out instantly. Food, healthcare, etc. We'll figure that out and let you know soon. Yeah, uh, and that's so just not good enough. What they have, what they have um, declared today, as of twelve uh, twelve thirty on the fifth today when we're recording, um, there's a two week rent freeze uh, for people in the building. Hmm. There is fifteen hundred dollars for employed people that can't get to their jobs, and seven hundred and fifty dollars for unemployed people um but the payment uh, for the the payment for that is fast tracked if you agree to testing so if you don't mm. want to get tested um then oh you know I, then do you stuff I, I don't know what that means that is the counterfactual of your payments being fast tracked means that they are doing the the bare minimum or less required to get people money while they're in lockdown and here's like, the thing, yeah. if you- if Yeah, fast-track you... all the payments. <laughs> yeah, they should all be fast-tracked. There is no way to fast-track that. You can't do that humanely and any faster or slower for different people. That's fucking grotesque. Yeah. yeah. If you if you actually wanted to do this properly, you'd get the word to people in the flats. You'd say, hey, we've got a payment. We want you to stay inside. We'll arrange for everything to be there. Do what you need to do so that you can stay home for a week or two, which is exactly what they did for literally everyone else in every other suburb. They said, you've got 48 hours, get your shit together and then stay home. Um, And then if people do the wrong thing, then if people insist on breaking quarantine and stuff like that, then you can bring in some slightly like stronger responses. But you don't start at level 10 with the cops before people even have food. Or yeah. medicine, yeah, I mean, you, or you let can, people know. It's still like also like the other qualification for testing, which was that if you've already been tested and are waiting for results, that counts mm. as a refusal. So people have been trying to do the right things, and I know friends of mine who have gone to the drive-through testing because they wanted just the peace of mind, knowing that they're okay. Mm. Like, and then you know their official refusal is counted later when they're already saying, "Oh yeah, I got tested." You're mm. on the you're on the books. That should count. Yeah. The fact that they they communicated like this really like, oh, we'll sort out food and that sort of thing. Like we're working out the details. We'll announce those tomorrow is so useless in terms of like, if you've got a bunch of like, you know, a couple thousand people in the building that you've just locked down, you can't be like, oh, we're making arrangements for that. We'll get you the details tomorrow. You need to guarantee, you make some ironclad guarantees you will not go hungry you will not miss out on income you will not get evicted 
that sort of thing. Yeah, and then wow. if you've got to work out the details, yeah, of course, you've got to work out the details. Take some time to do that. But you make the promises up front and then you work out the details so that those promises get met. You don't just be like, hmm. oh, well, you know, like obviously you're pretty scared. Uh, we're still figuring out what to do about food. Like the, the content of that message is the same, but one of them you say, <laughs> you will not go hungry. And yeah. then you make sure that fucking happens and they didn't do that. Instead, well, is- they're just like, don't you fucking leave the fucking apartment. Mm. Don't you stay, you stay in there. And then, they're, oh, yo, you want food? We'll figure something out. Mate. They treat it like an afterthought. Mm. Yeah, that's the, yeah. like and, the commu- that's why the communication matters. And it's and just I don't I don't I think it's beyond just optics. But like they didn't even have healthcare workers or mental healthcare professionals on that first mm. like afternoon. Like the, they just had like a cops. Crime thing. You could have you could have just I don't know three cops on the doors out the mm-hmm. front of the building, along with a bunch of healthcare professionals and and translators and and community outreach and all these other organisations already fucking exist, explaining mm-hmm. what's going on and saying, look, we're really really sorry, but you can't leave. And, and this is also under the the assumption that it is good to do this type of lockdown, whereas. We have not sent cops to any of the fucking hotels to try to lock them down. We've not had, like McLean said, any of this type of response to individual houses, suburbs, gated communities where all of the hotspots were originally. Like, this is so disproportionate, straight up, on the most disaffected, the most uh, disproportionately oppressed. Like, it is just... I'm fa- I'm genuinely failing to figure out why this exact thing happened the way that it did. It's fucking mind-blowing. It's, I'm hard to shock. It's actually a little bit shocking um, because it's being treated as a matter of enforcement rather than one of health or communication. And up until now, the COVID outbreak has largely been treated as a health and communication issue, even Ooh, if it hasn't I'm been done sure especially well. Like, like, like it has a bunch, like not effectively. They could have done better, um, but, but here specifically, this is being treated as a law enforcement issue. Um, yeah. I think there's a funny observation to be made that, like, it's, it is true that they sent out a bunch of police at a moment's notice and they didn't send out a bunch of social workers and translators mm. and healthcare workers at a moment's notice. Mm. And you could pretty rightly say, well, that's because part of the police's sort of role and their usual operation is to go out to a thing at a moment's notice. And you don't really have, you know, your crack team of translators and healthcare workers to be sent out at a moment's notice. And that is a true observation. Yeah. But you've also got to consider that the pandemic has been going on for six months. Yeah. Right? At this like, point, why if don't you don't have, have any fucking shit. healthcare workers that you can send out at a moment's notice? That seems like something that might be valuable to set up. But no, no, no. We would just get more cops on it. I feel like also they probably do have crack teams of healthcare workers, do they not? At this point, if they're able to do testing in large quantities and but that's the problem, like all these other things. Like, the, that's the problem, though. Like, a lot of the people who have been going out to do testing are not, like, mm. healthcare workers or at least people who haven't been taking oh. the full precautions. And this is part of the reason why some people have been refusing tests is because they've op- they've come out and said, look, the people who came to my door, they didn't have any protective gear. They, you know, didn't I didn't know what feel- they were talking about. They didn't know what they were talking about. I didn't feel safe getting a test and that's why I refused. It wasn't any sort of, like, 5G conspiracy or whatever. I just didn't feel safe and they're going door to door, you know, trying to get tests with people and I'm not 100% sure, you know, whether I'm going to get the virus from them. Yeah, you get the test and they're just like, you're positive now. (laughs) I read in some situations they were very unclear whether or not everybody needed to get tested or only symptomatic people or something. But the interesting thing is that 
these tests happening in hotspots like West Brunswick, for example, um, that's a hotspot just like Flemington where the council housing is. But in West Brunswick, you are allowed to refuse a test. If they turn up to your door, they say, would you like a test? There's no cops there. You can say, no, go away. They go, okay. Yeah. And that's the end of <laughs> well, it. Well, you're allowed um, to refuse a test in, houses, in the council flat. If you, ref- but, if you refuse yeah. a test, you can be detained for a further 10 days after the end of the detention period. Um, and I think it's very important to point out these people are in detention. They are the, the, legally, they are calling this a detention location. They are being detained. It's a detention period. And when we talk about things like food and healthcare, it's actually not just like a nice thing to do or the right thing to do. This is a mandatory human rights thing. If you detain somebody in a prison or any situation, you are meant to take care of they are now under your care. Yeah. You're meant to make sure they are fed and hygienic and literally everything they need. You're not allowed to charge them rent. When Daniel Andrews says, "Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna be pausing rent here," uh, yeah. yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, to keep in line with the fucking Geneva yeah. Conventions, Dan. Yeah, you don't do that as a nice thing to do. You don't get a thumbs up for like giving people basic human rights and not charging them for their own detention. I think my overwhelming feeling as well is just I have been so angry over the last 24 hours just thinking about like how like the progressive sort of sheen over the Andrews government has sort of hidden the fact that he's totally fucked up the response that we thought was good in the first place like okay you know we we were the first state to really lock down pretty hard um didn't really at all agree with the punitive sort of element in terms of getting all the cops out to fine everyone and stuff like that and, you know but most people relied on their oh, common and sense been, to stay like, home um Kit and Joshy and stuff have been observing that the that like punitive approach has also been like incredibly disproportionately targeted towards uh, disproportionately people. targeted uh, non white people a big surprise disproportionately targeted and also just didn't work in the way that it was like intended to be but yeah, like, and of course, the the reason why it's screwed up is because they've cut corners. They've gotten labor hire that hasn't been protected themselves or aren't prepared to, you know, um, <laughs> meet the requirements for making sure people are in quarantine. They haven't amassed the healthcare workers needed to make sure that tests are done properly or to even look after people who are in quarantine or even in the towers right now. And mm. as a result, you know, we've not only started the second wave we you know we expected the second wave but the way in which it's happened was so totally avoidable and uh, that makes me just curious. hire some competent staff and, and get them to take it seriously i'm just imagining like a listing on like air tasker or something that's just like yeah. urgent <laughs> manages a response to a pandemic mm-hmm. 25 dollars or nearest offer <laughs> Well, I mean, that's that's one thing I keep thinking about because part of the second wave in Victoria has come about because of the lack of security and the lack of training and the essentially just the dropped ball at the uh, hotels where people coming back from overseas were being essentially detained um, for the two weeks. You can just say quarantine. quarantine. Well, quarantine, yeah. yeah, But, um, I mean... There, so there was reports that there were they they hired it out to a bunch of different security firms, and then those security firms hired it out to another security mm-hmm. firm, and then both levels of those security firms were doing things such as making up names just to claim more money from the government. Like they were just saying they had more security guards on than they did, and when they were forced to like put in the reports, they were just making up names and claiming Is that more money. Real? From the yeah, it's shit. What the it's shit. fuck? It's you know shit what it like sounds that, like? Mitch? It, was, yeah. it sounds like all the employment, um, the job. 
uh, agencies, like, you know, just yeah, like Serena signing Russo up people. was locking yeah. down the fucking hotels. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> being run by Palantir or Circo or whoever runs the bloody... I looked that up and I couldn't find a connection there. I was gonna, I was gonna come in tinfoil <laughs> hatted with this whole thing, but they had nothing to do with the quarantined hotels. But I gotta say, fuck Circo. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were rotating staff between different quarantine hotels. Um, they were not equipping people. They were not taking adequate precautions in giving or taking protective equipment from hotel guests. Yep. Um, uh, among we'll I, link it in the show notes, but there's a great thread from um, Meg Clement, who's a journalist, and she is in quarantine. And um, she talked extensively about her experiences and what she observed uh, in terms of the security guards and also her fellow quarantinees. Is that the right word? Uh, yeah. But yes. Um, <laughs> and I have to admit as well, this is this has been a period where I've also reevaluated a lot of my initial sort of opinions about it too. So I remember when. Um, they started quarantining travellers in lockdown. There were a lot of um, people who were in lockdown complaining about their conditions and that sort of thing. And I remember a, a lot of people joking about that, saying, oh, you're in a five-star hotel. What are you complaining about? Um, and, you know, it, it's fun to join in on that kind of pylon. But the truth is is that, like, you know, they they haven't met the requirements for looking after these people while in quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, the quarantine seems to have, at least in Victoria, spread COVID. Yeah. 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 That's and that, I think, nice. is worth addressing as well. That it, like The problem is that the communication has been really shit. Like, there's been like mixed messaging and uh, inaccurate stuff going around. So, the communication hasn't been good, but the, the over-policing has also been a spreading factor of the disease because mm. the communication hasn't been good. Like, if the communication was good, we would see security guards wearing PPE mm. and not switching between sites and that sort of thing because if people understand how the disease spreads, they can actually take steps to manage it. I think it's a classic situation of if you have rules that seem a bit arbitrary, that people don't fully understand the reasoning behind and that seem themselves inconsistent, people won't take them seriously. Um, yeah. And you say that all the time because society is full of rules that are a bit silly, like, uh, I don't know, jaywalking or uh, all sorts of... Get, what, what's what's a rule that's a bit dumb? Putting holes in the wall of your rental apartment to put up not a picture hook. While in government not being able to give my brother multi-million dollar contracts. Just dumb exactly. shit like that. Yeah. Mm. There's loopholes, there's inconsistencies. They're often not enforced. Everybody acknowledges that, ah, oh, look, sometimes we don't really care about these things. And currently uh, with things like the quarantine and the lockdowns, um, you've if you're in a hotspot, again, Brunswick West is, is my example. If you're in Brunswick West, they're currently under what, stage three lockdown or something. You're not allowed to leave your house unless you're getting food or healthcare or going to work. And so it's like, okay, just just going to work. You're in uh, uh, a high pandemic zone. You are not allowed to see anybody. You're not have, allowed to have people in your house. You've got to stay in your house for any reason unless you're going to work, presumably in another suburb. Could be doing anything. Doesn't matter. We're fine with it. So... It's at that point where it's like, well, you don't really seem to care that much. If this was actually a risk, you wouldn't yeah. be taking that hazard of, of just letting people toddle off to work in a cafe or Kmart or a meat house yeah, or think, whatever. Like the, 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 the basic p- problem with it is that for most people, like the lockdown is either on or off <clears throat> officially. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like I've been, I've been trying to behave like it's been on, but that's for my own sake. But I can totally understand why people would be like, well, it's we're in the harshest lockdown. No one can see anyone. Or- 
we've got all these extra little bits. I'm not going to really bother with figuring out what it means. And now, like you just mm. said, we've got we've now got it across different suburbs, but I can travel across different suburbs for some reason sometimes. Right. Like, what the fuck? No. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't even, like, treat the virus in a way that a virus normally acts. Like, who says that about the cold? Who says that mm. about a flu? Oh, <laughs> there's, like, a flu outbreak. I, like, I better not cross, like, the street in case I get the flu, but I can still go next door. Like, what? no. It's just mind-blowing. I it, I don't understand. That's the other thing, actually, is treating the virus like it cares about postcodes um, <laughs> totally ignores, like, the only people who care about postcodes are postmen. <laughs> Think of the people you hang out with and come in contact with on a daily basis. If you go to work or if you hang with your friends or if you go to a pub, you're not hanging out with people from your postcode. If I go to work, I'm in a different postcode. If I go to the supermarket, I'm in a different postcode. Um, I'm not hanging out with my next door neighbor. The world doesn't work like that for most people. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not entirely sure why we think that is the way to do a pandemic. I mean, I understand the 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 outcome should hopefully be that we can keep most of the state open and the economy flowing and all the rest of it. But like, yeah, I don't go. I don't know why this right. is the. I think the trying response. to do that is the problem. I think that locking it down by postcode makes a ton of sense. If you restrict travel into and out of that postcode, mm. if you don't, Point it on. doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. Um, one thing I also wanted to sort of bring up, and I mean, this is this is pure speculation and we may never know, and rightly so, we shouldn't probably know, but um, I'm, usually, I'm usually someone for like laughing at dumb shit and moving along and not really caring about the people affected, essentially, um, until it's something potentially egregious. And I just have a really fucking shitty feeling about the the story going around where turns out one of the security guards at one of these quarantine hotels might have actually been uh, spreading COVID around because he slept with one of the detainees and then took it home to his wife. Oh, mm. a little bit of ISO horn, bloody people getting horny in lockdown. We were getting yeah, it was a pretty funny pretty joke. Randy. When we thought about it. And pretty pretty hot goss. The the only other time I can remember where there was Australian, uh, there was a, the, the security guards hired by the Australian government to take care of immigrants and then having sex with them mm. was when, like, was on Manus Island in Nauru, when there was exposés coming out about how the clear power differential between security guards during your detention or your lockdown wield so much power and they can do so much for you, and then they would they were using that to coerce and force people into sex, and some of them were fucking minors. And I'm mm. just... I just yeah. don't really like this narrative about a security guard having sex with someone in lockdown while they all had COVID as just being like, oh, it's a little buddy, bit of randiness. Like, they no, can't you- leave their rooms. Some of them can't get information out. Like, that's... Yeah, it's totally right. It's like tying in with the thing I was saying earlier where, like, you know, at first I thought it was a great big joke that people were complaining about being stuck in five-star hotels. But, like, I mean, this ties to the larger point that it's okay to change your mind whenever you, you know, realise that something might actually be worse than it seems. Yeah, we've yeah. also got like Hollywood celebrities making tearful Instagram videos mm-hmm. because they've been locked down in their own mansion. Like it, 
being locked down in a place sucks. Yeah. It doesn't I, matter how nice it is. Honestly, I'm sick of the term, or or I think we need to be careful of the term lockdown generally, because now we've got people going, okay, we're all in lockdown. Fine, cool. That means I go to the supermarket, I try to avoid hanging out with anybody, uh, I go to work, but I make sure that no one else is in the office kind of thing. But now we're also saying, oh, this apartment block is in lockdown. Hang on a second. But by lockdown, you are literally cops on the doors. You're in prison. You are detained. And people are going, what's the big deal? I was in lockdown. Now we've got two different kinds of lockdown. Hmm. So I think that's that's one of the weird language things that we really have to be careful about. When you say lockdown, it can mean a couple of different things now. Yeah. yeah. Also, so can, yeah, sexual relations. Not- uh-huh. <laughs> There's really no good way for a security guard to right? have a relationship with someone they're guarding. It's like a teacher or that's a doctor or anything. Yeah. 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 I yeah. don't care who you are. I don't care about your special situation. Blanket, no. Yeah, I, I mean, exchange numbers and hook up post quarantine. Yeah, totally fine. <laughs> yeah, can we just can at least a bit of fucking professionalism? And I mean, look, mm-hmm. maybe you are in an open relationship with your wife, but chances are, I don't care. Also, just can you fucking not while yeah. you're on the job? Fuck yeah. Thank you for being a wet blanket about it, Mitch. I I think <laughs> yeah, it was no, probably it's a good call. Yeah. Eden Monaro had an election yesterday. It went in favour of Labor. Cool, Barely. I guess. Um, like uh, minuscule percentage. Friend of the pod, McKinley, ha- <laughs> had, she, who does the Whippet, if you want a uh, – here's, here's a free plug. Um, sign up to the Whippet. <laughs> it's a really good newsletter. It's fucking – it's just great. Check it out. It's um, less political than this podcast and it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, had a really good point um, that like Labor getting a victory in this – doesn't even feel good because it's like, ah, oh, yeah. what are you going to do about anything that matters? Nothing? I mean, oh, well, good, I guess. Wh- <laughs> one thing I was saying about it is just like that town was literally burnt to the ground mm. it, it, and they had Scott Morrison rock up acting like a total clown and forcing himself, like uh, forcing like other people to shake his hand and, oh, and, and, and Labor still <laughs> only won by like, a, like 1%, less than yeah, 1%. I think- I think yeah. that's fair because when you go, well, how good is Labor at climate change? Oh, it's about 0.5% better than the coalition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just as worthless. <laughs> the, the, McKinley's quote was, uh, was it's looking like Labor are going to win Eden Monaro and I don't care because they're not planning to do anything about climate change and I just can't get excited about whether the PM presiding over an unlivable desert in 2040 will be wearing a red or blue tie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that there's no difference between Labor and Liberal. There is and it's more than rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, it's like passing around some sandwiches and refraining from actively inciting hate crimes on the Titanic. (laughs) God, I love that so much. Just the idea that there were people inciting hate crimes as it went down. It's women and children first versus women and children last. But either way, you're all dying in the Atlantic. People screaming about the Irish as they try to get onto their little (laughs) little dinghies away from the Titanic. Um, So one thing that is... um, interesting about the Eden Monaro election is that it actually ties in with the uh, $270 billion defense spending, like, uh, headline. Like it, Which I, 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 I love has, they can just drop that. That's the thing. I hesitate to even say it's an announcement because the fu- it's one of those things. We've talked about it before. It's one of those things where the money is put aside and announced for a thing, and then whenever the whenever any politician needs a little boost in the polls or needs to get some sort of headline up running, they just re-announce that money. Mm. They just sort of go, oh, we're doing something for defence. And so all of the coverage (laughs) that I saw was about these missiles and 
stuff again because we're heading into a poorer world which is just mm-hmm. a, a whole thing to unpack by itself oh but, that's the uh, scomo quote we need to prepare for a post-covid world that is poorer that is more dangerous and more disorderly mm-hmm. and, right. uh, i Donald guess Trump? that means we're gonna add and is at war to the mm-hmm. list like <laughs> yeah not so, gonna be better for anybody that was the big thing um about it but a little underreported fact was that the money was also going to be used or is going to be used to upgrade a defense facility in i believe it's cyber warfare and things like that in eden monaro <laughs> i had no idea this made me laugh so much holy fuck Comes downstairs, his kids are fighting, they're at each other's throats. He goes, I'm going to have to prepare for a post-my-kids-fighting world. And he goes and buys a gun. Just just to be safe. He can't, can't fix this situation, can't prevent this or deal with this in any way. No, you just got to make sure you're on top at the end. But it's... um. So yeah, so there was a there That's was a, a, a pretty good attempt. joke about Scomo being willing to kill his children. Because- <laughs> I'm not saying he's killing them. He just knows that whichever of those kids comes out on top... Oh, there's going to be hell to pay. Look, I don't no, know. No, I, I, I just mean as somebody who's like actively working against climate like action. Yeah. He is. He has children. <laughs> and he's like, hey, guess what, kids? Here's your surprise. We got McDonald's for dinner and I'm ruining your future for fun. Yeah. Like, he, he, the government in general cannot conceive of preventing things getting worse. Uh, the way to have a more stable post-COVID world is to handle COVID, to have a better welfare system, to do all the things we're always saying they should friggin' do. But what they see is, oh, this is going to fuck up a lot of people. They're going to be angry at us. The world is going to be shaky, mostly because of people like us. Going to have to get some guns. We've got $270 billion that we can just drop at a moment's notice Whenever we want some more submarines, um, there's never $270 billion for anything. There's never $270 billion for education or more environmental protection or anything. You get $500, billion for, $500 million for the reef at best. Um, yeah. Yeah. Makes me really angry. I just, I also, I mean, a lot of people have pointed it out, but I don't understand our fascination beyond like, Call of Duty fan, like, uh, like projecting masculinity types of reasons to want to like boost defense funding for Australia and try to posture as if we're anything other than like the little runt rat fink idiot that's like kicking shins in the playground. Like, I really love nothing that. As well. ha- yeah, this what is going f- back. I mean, this goes back decades, but like the resurgence in this surely was like um, with Howard and Iraq and Afghanistan. And like, you know, we just love to pretend that we matter constantly in both like, you know, political as well as any sort of social matter. But we just don't. But people, yeah. People talking <laughs> about the Iraq war at the time would mention fucking Canada before us. Like that hurts. <laughs> that's how fucking, that's how nothing we are on the global stage in terms of defense. And yet we love talking about like, we're getting three submarines. And, and yeah. two planes to with mini guns and these bombs and the bombs are red and when we drop them they're, and they're fucking sick and I love it it's so cool and like oh, well, what will it actually do for us in terms of any sort of conflict ever? Yeah, oh, right. I mean nothing, but they look. We got to be able sick. to stand up to China, like freaking <laughs> America. America is not standing up to China. No one can stand up to oh. China. Whenever I think about like Australia's like insistence in getting involved. Uh, their military involved for, on the you know for the benefit of the US. I just think like at least Darwin got bombed. At least there was like <laughs> something that that you know deserves at us being involved. Fucking hell! Like th- there's been no other reason for us to get involved ever since. <laughs> <laughs>
And I mean, World War Two. say what you will, uh, you could justify getting involved in that war. We don't even have a war now. We're just posturing, hoping there'll be one. Yeah. Please, Daddy, can we have a war? Yeah. And, and the war is going to be between America and China. And we're just like, we matter in this situation. <laughs> can like, we be invited? It's because fucking ScoMo's a Christian and he's used to the story of David versus Goliath, yeah? And he's like, oh, yeah, we're David in that story. Failing to factor in that the story of David versus Goliath is the story of God versus Goliath that happens to have David in it. (laughs) (laughs) So this this has been reported in a few places, but I'm taking this reporting from Music Feeds. Uh, .com.au, which I think is the best place to talk about how uh, the New South Wales Drug Squad police officers are now under investigation after internal accusations of manufacturing their own drugs to try to entrap people. I'm shocked. Jesus fuck. Are you saying these are the same cops who are strip-searching children? Fuck. The the same uh, cops that were strip-searching- Who's investigating them, Mitch? Uh, that would be themselves. <laughs> but yes, Evie is right. The same people that were strip searching children um, in an illegal fashion in an attempt to find drugs on them. Turns out they were just really, really shitty at planting drugs on kids. <laughs> Senior officers of the New South Wales Drug Squad have had their homes raided by other police. <laughs> I do like that the article says they're by actually other doing home raids. Like, though. But, That's nice. but like, who else is going to be raiding <laughs> in police raids? <laughs> Naked teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you don't get you don't like when it's internal affairs. You don't get the fire brigade to do police work. Like, yes. But okay, so um, what? Which cops? Is is it their own like? Is it New South Wales cops who are then raiding other cops or is it like the AFP or what? Like, I mean, I don't... I'm looking at the article now and it's a group called the Professional Standards Command. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) It's cops for cops. Professional Standards is like, you know, you got to wear like a shirt. But the Professional Standards (laughs) Command, which is now don't manufacture your own drugs and try and trap people (laughs) with them. Isn't it? Fuck. So, yeah. So, this is the thing. They've been accused of encouraging criminal behaviour, so entrapping people, by setting up a drug syndicate and actually manufacturing the drugs themselves. That's the Uh allegation. That's an allegation that has led to home raids, so it seems pretty fucking severe. And I do not know why this isn't, like, front-page news day after day after day. This is insane. This isn't front-page news because there's five different kinds of corruption scandals happening at once these days. But, yeah, but (laughs) this is, like, I don't trust this like professional standards brigade or whatever like <laughs> I, I just imagine them with like little like sirens on their head coming into like <laughs> anyway uh, it's just I, like i don't trust the, like if if cops are doing this themselves i don't trust these other cops to come in and not be like destroying the evidence anyway no, so i reckon it's the same cop i reckon he just puts on a yeah. different badge <laughs> and he goes oh let's investigate badge. this oh <laughs> and just... he takes off the badge he's like no don't investigate me yeah professional standards command it's just a cop looking in a mirror being like, ah, knock it off. So Professional Standards Command has created a group to specifically do this investigation that's called Strike Force Dominion. Which I love that board I game. used to make video games and even I'm like, man, that's pretty good. I got to... That's, that's, yeah, that's fucking... That's something from Gears of War. That is Operation Icarus. Yeah, Strike Force Dominion is like, you are not ranking highly even on the app store with that because it's, you're just in amongst like squad force tactics and... Yeah. Fucking... Age of Cops. Strike Force Dominion. 
abomination is right, <laughs> a little flash game right underneath I'm it. just imagining like this group of meathead cops in the meeting room just being like, we're getting a strike force. What are we getting? Oh, <laughs> strike force muscles. <laughs> They're looking around the room yeah. trying to name things. Yeah. Strike force, pot plant. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, guys, we, we don't need to name this one. We're just going over to Brian's house to ask him if he made ecstasy and he's going to say no and we're going to be like, case closed. And there's still people like, oh, stri- strike force, gone fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So the cops have figured out the only way to stop drug dealers is with the free market. They're going to outcompete them <laughs> by cornering the market, selling those drugs better and cheaper than anyone else. I do like the idea that, like, they are so, so, so close to understanding the benefits of legalizing and, like, <laughs> regulating the drug trade. Like, we're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to make our own. We're going to set up the drug trade. We're going to conquer the drug trade. We're going to be the biggest drug dealers. And then we'll arrest everyone. Wait, what? We're going to go undercover as pro-drug legalization <laughs> yeah, advocates. Yeah, now, now, now. Get to it make, legalized to and make then sure, fucking get them. To make sure that nothing bad goes on, what we're going to do is make these drugs to the highest standard possible. <laughs> and we're going to make sure that they're tested. So if anyone takes them, nothing bad's going to happen and be traced back to us. Oh, cool. You're going to collect tax on that? No, we're going to put people in jail for minor offenses, that, for, for, for doing a crime that affects no one in any way except maybe has, makes them have a good time at a music festival. And they're going to cost us tens of thousands of dollars while we feed and house them. Ha <laughs> ha. We've done it. <laughs> There's also been this story that. We- I think we've talked about it before, but we never really explained what we mean. But there's this term called copaganda, which is when the media gives cover to shit things that the cops do in a general sense by like uh, presenting puff pieces or by doing like any of those shows about um, like, you know, checking the bags of returned visitors. And then mm. there's all the dramatic music and stuff like that. And the show cops and stuff like that. They normalize um, cops as a part of a functioning society, basically. Yeah. 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 And so citations needed. The podcast have done some really good episodes on it. Look it up. Uh, but it's this idea of copaganda. And I saw the most outstanding example of copaganda when there was the, the channel seven reporting on how, uh, some Adelaide cops have now been given assault rifles to deal with terrorism. And, like, that, I believe, should come with some gravitas, mm. I believe. I I think that if <laughs> we're going- They've been given assault rifles to deal like, with whatever they want. It's this. It's the it's the uh, the rapid response unit dubbed the security mm-hmm. response section, the SRS. Who gives a shit? Anyway, the, the main point, <laughs> the reason I wanted to bring it up is because this fucking news report that I saw- Started with some inane reference to, like, gone are the days of policeman Plod walking around with his little baton. Now we've got heavily armoured robo-morons. In troubled times, it's a far cry from Officer Plot on the beat. Our new security response section has 48 highly trained officers who will confront trouble and deal with it. Their formation is the result of a growing global threat. Despite the COVID crisis, terrorism is ever-present. And the footage is of these cops, like, standing next to a patrol car with these high-powered weapons designed to kill, having a chuckle, having a bit mm-hmm. of a bloody laugh. Like, oh, look at us. We're gonna, I'm going to blow the back right. of the skull of some kind of way, and it's going to be great. <laughs> having a chuckle. The thing about assault rifles, though... Yeah, is you say they're designed to kill, and that is absolutely true. But that is also true 
of a regular handgun, which mm-hmm. already most police are equipped with, or a lot of, I don't know. I don't mm. know how many police are equipped with handguns, but I you, mean, you, most of you, them. If, if you right. want to kill one person, a handgun will do the job. Yes. An assault rifle is for killing a lot of people very quickly. Like, that's the advantage <laughs> that they range, have. It's not it kills one person better, mm. it's that it kills more people faster. Which. I think is a really good thing to have at uh, when when there's a, say a terrorist event because as we as we all know terrorists never target places full of civilians with only one or two terrorists. So what you yeah. re- definitely want is when there's a horde of maybe ten thousand terrorists watching the footy and one lone civilian is trapped in there. You want to mow down all of the terrorists with your assault rifle and you mm. want to look super cool while you do it. And then you want the media afterwards to be like, "Fuck, that was rad," and then for everyone at home to be like, "Oh, they're so rad." Yeah, a big shout out to South Australia police who are now able to kill lots and lots of terrorists at a real, just rapid clip. Good on (laughs) (laughs) I feel safer already. Speaking of authoritarian fascist overreach, Dutton has dodged the contempt of court by uh, denying a refugee a visa when he had no grounds to. I thought, now I still don't understand this because I thought the whole thing was they said this guy should be released you can't hold him and they went nah we want to hold him anyway like it's it's really a, a light into how depraved peter dutton is so the the reason that they had to let him go is because they hadn't made a decision and while the decision was pending they were like look you you can't just oh, keep you can't him just in hold him okay can't, can't just keep him in detention for freaking years while you you know uh we're thinking about it we're making up our mind whether he should be in detention or not and the judge judge flick was like you have to decide one way or the other and at the last goddamn minute, Peter Dutton was like, all right, then, yeah, no, he, he, he doesn't get a visa. I think mm-hmm. that one of the reasons to, to put it off, I, I, I don't know this for sure, who, who can know the mind of that man, but once you've denied him a visa on grounds, you've sort of made a bigger target for appeals. If you're just like, well, we're thinking about it, then there's not really anything that you can, you know, address with that. Yeah. Whereas once you've said, we've denied you a visa because of XYZ, then his legal team has the ability to say, well, XYZ is false. You need to give him a visa. That cruelty of indefinite detention, it's the point. It's supposed to keep people in limbo. The whole point of not making a decision is to draw it out as long as possible. And that's that's torture. Like you think of all the people who are now, you know, who are flown to Australia um, on medevac grounds um, who are now in the Bell Hotel in in Preston in Darabin, Um, Mm. they don't have a foreseeable future because they're still waiting to see, you know, whether they will get, you know, accepted on refugee grounds. So they're still there and they're still in limbo. Mm. Mm. It's um, it's <clears throat> extremely cruel because, I mean, any situation where you don't have a clear answer one way or the other, and you see this in, in a lot of things, you don't know, for example, we were saying with coronavirus, you don't know if you're in lockdown or not. You don't know if it's a danger or not. It's worse then knowing for sure that a bad thing is happening is not knowing whether or not a bad thing is going to happen. That is a, a form of psychological torture. And it's yeah. a deliberate choice to make it vague or indefinite. Yeah. Yeah, so also this week, uh, Scott Morrison uh, went uh, around doing a little mini press circuit uh, to shore up support for the coalition's cuts to coronavirus welfare payments that are slated for September. Um, Basically talking about how employers were finding it difficult to find employees because Mm -hmm. everybody's got it so cushy when they're unemployed these days Uh. because the bloody job keeper and job seeker payments are, are so bloody big, you just can't. 
underpay people these days. You can't, you know, <laughs> offer somebody $5 an hour because they'll be like, no. And that that's that makes it real hard to run a business, you know, guys. It's 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 difficult. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like you give people money so that they stay home and don't spread a pandemic that will kill people, uh, which we're now seeing a second wave of. And suddenly they just want to bloody stay home and not spread a pandemic that might kill people instead of going to work. <laughs> that's the thing that struck me about this whole thing was that I think the narrative is getting confused between like keeping welfare payments high after a pandemic and stopping the pandemic payments early. Hmm. That's He's got- yeah, like it's, it's looking insane. at things now. For sure, the pandemic is still going to be going in September, which is when uh, the AUW, the, the Australian Unemployed Workers Union, is referring to September twenty third as uh, National Poverty Day, uh, because uh, if the planned cuts do go ahead, it will just throw millions of people into poverty overnight. And it's amazing that they can plan very strongly for the payments will end at this date, but they will not be able to tell you when the pandemic ends. They just <laughs> they just let me know when they stop caring about the pandemic, basically. Yeah, well, they're just like, look, we really, really don't want to be paying poor people because everybody knows that money should go to rich people. That's why they're rich, mm. is because they get the money. And so mm. it, it's very counter to the, the, the coalition sort of philosophy. Um, now, a report also came out that was sort of the basis for the reporting about the, the jobless opt for dole overwork uh, headlines, uh, but uh, the the Guardian had a, a look at these figures and and it it sort of came out that they were basically made up. So only about a fifth of the employees that were surveyed for the study were even trying to hire. Only about a quarter of those that they were actually trying to hire said they had difficulty, and only half of those couldn't find like applicants for that reason. Apparently, there are about twelve unemployed people for every position. Yeah, the 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 reason that a lot of people are unemployed is because there are way more unemployed people than there are jobs. At the best and of times. that just means that you're going to have people... You, 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 there's more people than jobs. <laughs> That's it. You, you're going to have unemployed people. The thing that really boggles me here is that he's forgotten why this payment exists. It's like normally, you know, the welfare system is there to support people while they don't have a job. And the government hates that because it makes them not so desperate to go out and get shitty jobs. But the JobKeeper and the coronavirus things are not for that. They're to support people while they don't have a job, sure. But they're to do it so that they don't have to get a job. To keep people from needing to be out there doing jobs out of desperation and spreading the virus. Like, if JobKeeper is working well, you have less people in the workforce because that's what we want. But they've forgotten about that. It doesn't I, make sense. I don't think he's forgotten necessarily. Like it, it is. I mean, I realize I've got a bit of a sort of um, a negative view on how just the general narrative of job keeper and job seeker, um, which is that threatening to remove it is forcing people to blame others as well. So, like especially when you have um, new, like you know, interviews with uh, bar owners who talk about how um, JobKeeper, people like, you know, people who are in JobKeeper, they don't want to come back to their jobs and stuff like that. Like it is supposed to make people fight with each other and feel hateful towards each other and it's sowing the seeds of discord. So I think he knows exactly what it's doing, but okay. ha- hanging the threat over people's head makes them compliant and like, you know, afraid to disagree with you. Well, it's like we have friends who work low-paying retail jobs uh, and their yeah. managers are, are shitty and they say, oh, you've got to keep coming in even though 
you're in danger and the customers aren't social distancing properly and you don't have a choice. We won't pay you JobKeeper because our business is still open and we want you to be here even though we're not doing any any business. Um, and they don't have a choice. They have to go in. They have to take the risk of spreading this virus to their housemates, to their family, because um, th- there's no other option for them or they're homeless. The basic principle um, that I think JobKeeper and JobSeeker has made a lot of um, friends of mine who are on it realize who, are, you know, most of my friends are reasonably political, politically engaged or aware, but... I think a lot of them have become more so because they've realized, oh, wow, I suddenly have so much more income than I had even when I was on a job. And, mm. and mm. I, I, you know, I'm suddenly like, you know, able to pay off my debts. Uh, I'm able to, you know, pay my rent without wondering how much is going to be left over for food. Um, and it's almost uh, an entry point into realizing the lie of like, uh, you know, that you have to stay, stick around with a horrible job. Otherwise, you'll have no money. Mm. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I mean, I think we've got time. I've got a Marxist analysis on the weak link of the renter in uh, capitalist society. So this should only take me about forty minutes. <laughs> I really wanted. I really wanted to make that old cliche comedian joke of like lock the doors, but make the podcast listeners do it themselves. Lock yourself in. Lock by doing it. <laughs> there's there's also the fact that a lot of people who are receiving job seeker are still being pressured to like meet their like mutual obligations. Oh they're they're sort of like employment services and like applying for jobs and Busy going work. to job seeker training and that sort of thing, which is like just garbage busy work at the best of times. But when we're in this situation now where there are so many more people than there are jobs, it it is just a joke because these employment services are like, you know, here's how to make your resume stand out against the 300 people who are also applying for that same job, who are also getting that same goddamn training. So it's like, yeah, we're giving everybody the training to give them the edge in getting the job, but we're giving that training to everybody. So there's no edge. It doesn't give you an edge. It just makes everybody have to work harder for a job. If you just didn't do the training for anyone and everyone was just sending in give job, please, (laughs) written in crayon on a sheet of loose leaf, like you'd still have the same group of applicants to pull from. It's just a bunch of them right. wouldn't have had to fucking leap through a bunch of hoops and give a bunch of money to Serena Russo. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no jobs at there's the no moment. jobs. And also, mutual obligation during a pandemic is fucking gross. That's also grotesque. It's and, grotesque. And criminal negligent. But there's also no job. What is a job provider supposed to do? There's nothing to provide. It It's the sort of puritanical... Um, Poor people have to suffer a bit for their money. Yeah. If we're just giving them money and they're just sitting at home, that feels wrong. But, so we mm. they need to come in, they need to show shame, and they need to do some paperwork, and they need to pretend to dig some holes and fill them in again, but kind of thing. How, but it's, like, it's we would demoralizing. Never, we would never consider maybe having, you know, like a, a fucking jobs guarantee and nationalizing the energy sector and bringing back national manufacturing and getting, you know, Australia carbon neutral by 2030. Can't can't do that to fix unemployment, <laughs> put money back into the economy that way. Can't, can't do that. What we need to do is let the private sector filter between 400 people for a casual role at Macca's. That's what's going to... Get us out <laughs> of this we, fucking death spiral. We also have friends Shit! who find this whole process extremely demoralizing um, and maybe don't, aren't, you know, as as well read on their marks as you um, or haven't seen Snowpiercer. Like yeah, no, I just, I just played Disco um, Elysium. I just played Disco Elysium. I've never. <laughs> and, and a lot of people uh, go, oh, I've been applying for all these jobs. I'm just not getting them. I, it's really like I must be doing something wrong. And if if you're in that situation, it's not you. 
you're in the fuckedest economy that we've had for I don't know when, the, since the Great Depression. Is this yeah. the worst? Certainly, economy our lifetimes I think is, is pretty safe to say unless you're very. But old see, when you, when we say once in a, like you know once in a lifetime events, I think those of us who are our age, like millennial range, you've experienced <laughs> like three or four different once in a lifetime events in like the oh, last yeah. five years. <laughs> in the last six months. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but only once each of those. <laughs> don't feel bad about not getting a job. The system's fucked. It's not your fault. Um, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter how good your resume is. Doesn't matter how qualified you are. A lot of jobs have so many people apply, and there's so many other little factors that it it, it can just be down to chance a lot of the time. Yeah. It's so hard not to take it personally, though. Like I've been there. I've been like you know it, mm. for nearly like a year, like, you know, in between jobs and just like the cycle of applying for jobs, getting knockbacks, not hearing anything, having to decide like what your budget is going to be for like from day to day. It's just so like, and sometimes you just stop looking because you're like, what's the point? Mm. Mm. You are more than the value of your labor. So the, um, the cherry on top for all of this as well, talking about social welfare and the Liberal Party completely fucking it up is the, this comes in the same week as we're being told that the uh, robo-debt repayments, which we talked about a couple episodes ago, robo-debt was an illegal scheme where they bullied and threatened people into paying back debts that they couldn't even prove that the people had. It's, that didn't exist. It, exactly. It's, t- it's gone now through years and years of this robo-debt scheme um, rolling out to where enough people have gone, hang on, this is bullshit. It's now going to court. And the Liberal Party, in an effort to sort of, you know, show some goodwill and maybe, you know, smooth things over, said, oh, we'll pay back a bunch of stuff and maybe this class action lawsuit will go away. It's not fucking going away. Fuck you. But we've now also discovered um, that they are going to be paying people back this debt that they rightly owe them from an illegal scheme in installments. Yeah. Which is just- they Ooh. took it from them under duress. They said, we're taking, you know, however many thousands of dollars off you because you owe us and you're a criminal. And then- Yeah, we was- paid you too much welfare and you have yeah. to give it back. And you that have to prove, and you have to prove it. Wrong. You have to prove if, to yeah. us that the debt is 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 legit. And if you don't yeah. do it, you can't go overseas and you're, you're going to have a criminal record and all these horrible things that they hung over everyone's head. It was incredibly cruel. It destroyed lives. People suicided yeah. over it. Um, yeah. And- and now they're going, okay, our bad. Turns out we stole that money from yes, you. So it wasn't ours to take. We'll give it back to you $80 fortnightly fuck until you. it's all paid back. Stuart yeah. Robert, fuck you. $80 You don't get to make fortnight. that call. This is a story that's uh, reported on Twitter by Asher Wolf. Um, so this is this is one anecdote. We don't know if this is official mm. government policy, but there, there are people out there who have been contacted by human services saying, yes. We took $8,000 from you in error. I love when I take uh, $8,000 from somebody in error. Uh, mm-hmm. That's uh, mostly just theft. But anyway, so we stole $8,000, but we will give it back because we absolutely have to. Uh, so can I do it over the next two years, please? Mm. Keeping in mind, that was money you needed because you were on Centrelink. The people who've had this money taken from them are the people who need it the most. And probably $8,000 to a lot of people, oh, no, that's that's annoying. To some people, that's life and death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just—I mean, even having eight thousand dollars in your bank account for two years is a significant amount of interest. Mm-hmm. 
It's and, and this is the, the, it's looking like it might be a billion dollars. Um, the last reporting was seven hundred and twenty, but it looks like that actually could be going up to one billion dollars in repayments the government needs to make. Mm. Two hundred and seventy <laughs> billion dollars on defense, on big missiles and upgrades to fucking mm-hmm. like the cyber security centers and whatnot. But they're gonna have to pay back in eighty dollars a fortnight chunks. We're really sorry we did this. Just morally bankrupt, <laughs> evil pieces of shit. And this, yeah. I mean, this is something me and McLean have debated about um, off pod sometimes. But, like, I genuinely think there is malice in their hearts when they do this. I think they they despise poor people. They do not like you and me. They oh, this look is the at thing you I was saying, with contempt. That's, that's the thing I was saying before in just terms of, like, making people turn on each other and sowing the seeds of discord. This is exactly the same thing. Like, it's yeah, contempt. They are, they are disgusted by poor people. They are. It is like British aristocrats. It's a stereotype, and they hide it really well, and the media run interference for them. But I, I genuinely do think that they would cross the road if someone who earns less than 50000 a year was coming towards them. Yeah. Like, it's that think, level yeah. of just... Ugh, I mean, poor, it's 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 just an extension of the being poor is a moral failing and rich people mm. earned it poor people need to try harder yeah. and so if they are poor then Ugh. they're dull bludgers. Um, but yeah, McLean McLean takes the tack that they're evil for heaps of other reasons, but they are mostly just lining their pockets and they don't care about us. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that they're not doing it out of spite. I think that they just don't like. It, it's not like oh, a poor person, gross. It's mm. like it, it's just not really a person. Like you know, they they see. A, a poor person who has a bunch of money that they could claim, <laughs> and they're just like, "Oh shit! I just found a bunch of money I could claim." Mm. And the, the, the sort of the fact that a poor person's involved, it doesn't really register. It's like they they find a homeless person who has fifty bucks that they could nick versus they find fifty bucks on the street, and there's yeah. no one around. It's the same situation. Yeah. I don't squash a mosquito because I hate mosquitoes. I squash it because I don't really care about mosquitoes. Yeah. See, I it doesn't I, cross my mind. I I disagree. And right now, this is sort of clarified to me how like how and why tankies are born into existence. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, if you feel persecuted by the bourgeoisie class, holy shit! Like, <laughs> I mean, you should you should feel persecuted <laughs> by them. But yeah, but that's the thing. Like this is this is what we're all about on the podcast. Is you know we bring people together from different political persuasions. <laughs> As long as you're on the left-hand side, maybe up the top. As long as you're extreme left, we're about building bridges. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's just providing a counterpoint to all other Australian media. We've got to hear all sides of the debate, and they've got, like, the guy who just earns $100,000 a year and thinks that poor people aren't gross, and the guy that earns $100,000 a year and thinks they are. (laughs) And it's like, let's just get one person in who thinks that both of those other guys (laughs) should get their heads chopped off, right? (laughs) (laughs) Teach the control. Hundred thousand dollars a year, McLean. It's not quite head chopping off, but it's certainly finger shaking. I'm gonna say, better watch yourself. I'm gonna say, as somebody who earns much less than that Mm -hmm. and is very well off compared Mm -hmm. to most people that I know, a hundred thousand dollars. Oh yeah, I'm just saying it is enough for. Anyone. Absolutely. If there is a single person Absolutely. on this world who's like, ooh, $99,000, I don't know if I could, get your fucking shit together, yeah. you can. Yeah, yeah. This is, this, I mean, this, let, let's get- It is let's enough get, for anyone. Let's get theoretical. <laughs> let's get ideological. No, for real. Let's draw the line at where you get your head chopped up. This is, this is the thing, is that people forget, like, bread costs the same for everyone. It yeah. is legit yeah. that you can, you can just say- Materially, Man, you back. have enough money. You don't need any more, and it doesn't need to be hundreds of millions. $100,000 is fucking fine. <laughs> well, you get to the income level where you forget 
the cost of things like bread or milk or anything like that. And when you get to that point, that's officially the point where you should stop getting more money. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. The, 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 I've, I've, I've done this math on the podcast before, but $100,000 <laughs> is enough for anybody. And if you start to disagree, if you're like, oh, but, 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 no, you, you're, you're a little shit. And mm-hmm. you listen to the wrong podcast, go and listen to fucking rightwingrichcunts.com, something. <laughs> that's, that's your podcast. That's what you should. Anyway, no, $100,000 is enough for anybody. And if you made $100,000 a year for your whole life, let's call that 100 years. Let's give you the full life, right? That's $10 million. $10 million is $100,000 a year for 100 years. So anytime you hear an amount of money that's more than $10 million in the context of one person, that person objectively has way too much money. <laughs> yep. And, and they some- shouldn't be allowed to have that much money. $10 million is the amount. That's the maximum amount of money. Lifetime. Not just $10 million at once. Lifetime that anyone should be allowed to have. Anything more than that, that's hoarding. Now, some people will say, but McLean, with $100,000, I can't buy a house. Now, that the problem there is the housing market. Houses yeah. shouldn't cost... Ten million. Yeah, if nobody was dollars. allowed to have more than ten million dollars, <laughs> houses would not cost ten million dollars. Exactly. You got people out there hoarding houses, leaving them open while other people are stuck in council flats. Um, yeah, the problem there is not how much money you have; it's the people with much, much, much more money than even you with a hundred thousand um, dollars, ruining it for everybody. Yep. I- I've been thinking a lot. Like I will t- we've been talking about it again. Uh, outside the podcast, like there's been a lot of billionaires on Twitter lately who just like have the it, I mean, like, objectively, every billionaire is a really shit opinion, but... <laughs> yeah, freaking every billionaire is going around thinking billionaires should still be alive. Demonstrably wrong, idiot. <laughs> like, for some reason, this week particularly, this week particularly, like, every billionaire seems to, like, be putting their head up above the parapet and giving their shit opinion. And, like, if I had a billion dollars, I would fuck off into the woods forever. I would never, like, need the internet. I wouldn't need society. I could just buy whatever I wanted and just leave. But mm. also, like, you know, I don't need that much money. But I, I just don't understand the compulsion. You have more money than you should, like, morally ever have. What are you doing? Money doesn't make you happy. It makes you less happy. (laughs) Because you go, hang on, the money didn't make me happy. Something else is wrong. It must be the trans. So give it away or um, die. Counterpoint. Counterpoint. I 100% get the urge to stay online and I would do it. If I had a billion dollars, if I had Elon Musk's fan base, I would just get like left-wing Twitter mobs to just like harass the right-wingers <laughs> off of the platform. I would buy up all the shit newspapers and just the shit companies and let me just essentially get rid of them. I would, I would probably stay online. And just oh, I know I'm addicted to Twitter, but fuck. I will tell you, I will, I will solve this problem for you. I will tell you what the actual thought is. When you've got a billion dollars, you're not worried about what you're spending money on because spending money ceases to be a concept. You're just like, that's a you know luxury yacht. I want it. It doesn't make a dent in my finances, right? When you're at the sort of even you know multi multi million dollar level, you stop trading in money as a currency that buys objects, and you start trading in power. Like mm-hmm. that's what yep. billionaires have. Yeah. Everything is just invested in power. Yep. And so if you as a billionaire are going around and being like, oh man, I wish I had like a little bit more power, and then you're just like. Fuck, I do have, you know, 4.6 million Twitter followers, though. That mm. does translate to power. And, and putting your opinions out is a massive broadcast thing. Like, it's the same. Like, that's why you're not <laughs> fucking off into the woods. Just is because it. if you're at the billion-dollar level, <laughs> you're in the business of amassing power. Yeah. And 
Yeah, a bunch of Twitter followers. And you're part a billionaire, so you must be smart. When I think about the money that, like, you know, I have or that I want, I always think about it in terms of, oh man, I really want that nice handbag, or I look at like a lot, lots of really expensive coats online. I'm like, <laughs> man, I wish I earned enough money for that. I don't sure. think about in terms of I want to buy this entire website. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys ever see those like urban myths or conspiracies where it's like, ah, oh, rich, rich people have their own, they have their own Tinder or they have their own Facebook or they have their own secret internet sites where they plot against the rest of us um and at this point i think we're all wishing they bloody did <laughs> so they could so they could be off twitter and just be on rich people twitter because yeah. i'm sick of all these billionaires on normal twitter i just i do like the idea of elon musk getting despondent because like a few of his most recent tweets haven't got the likes and retweets that his last ones have like <laughs> it's he's just so like, funny that people get under his skin he's so thin-skinned no one's liking my tweets grams <laughs> and and this is this is probably where we should wrap up but the white south african accent is the only non-offensive one <laughs> it's just when you're doing elon musk yelling grimes just yeah. that particular grimes is the funniest sound <laughs> that is the one good thing the internet has done for us is you can now tell elon musk he's an idiot directly and you know he reads it <laughs> I run it really quickly, hit this cold thing, and then we're going to do action. Oh, fuck. We got the fucking cold thing. God, it's it's it. super quick. It's super quick. Hit it. This is my new uh, hobby horse, my high hobby horse that you'll, you'll hear me on. Gas is the new coal. You know how you always used to hear about how like coal is good and uh, we need coal for the Australian economy. Coal's your friend. Coal makes power, etc. Everyone's given up on coal. Okay. <gasps> coal is on its way out. They're going to let coal die. You're going to be hearing a lot about gas. You've been hearing it from me. You'll be hearing, hearing it from the government. And you're going to be hearing it from fossil fuel companies. Gas is the new coal. Whenever you hear anyone talking about natural gas, I want you just mentally to imagine they're talking about coal. That's assuming you hate coal already, which you should. <laughs> um, because gas is, is pretty much as environmentally damaging as coal. We're talking fossil methane uh, when we talk about gas. And so the, the gas company, the coal companies, they're dead. No one's investing in coal. The gas companies are bloody clutching at the sides of the lifeboat, trying to take us with them. Um, and these gas companies are getting real sneaky on social media. And by sneaky, I mean pretty blatant. Uh, but you'll see <laughs> social media mind. influencers, Instagram influencers being like, oh, bloody love cooking on my gas stove. It makes the food taste good and it gets hot oh. real fast. Mm, natu hashtag natural gas. Or something. They're directly funded by gas companies. Um, or the, the worst one I saw recently was Australian Instagram influencers pushing like gas hot water or hashtag natural gas hot water. Um, oh, the shower is so hot and it stays hot for as long as you want. Oh, if you if you're building a new house, get a, a gas hot water system. I'm like, it tastes better. Don't you look at yourself? Because it's, it's like, yeah, okay, you can make arguments for gas cooking. If you're really into cooking, maybe you want a naked flame in your kitchen. Gas is a way to get that. For most people, a good electric stove will do whatever you need. Old, shitty electric stoves, they were pretty shitty. I'm not going to get into this argument. But there is no difference between gas hot water and electric hot water. If your electric hot water runs out before you're done showering, you just need a better electric hot water system. You've got the wrong size tank. The same is going to happen with gas if you get the wrong size tank. 
It's entirely every advantage you hear about natural gas is pure propaganda. I saw an Instagram uh, video thing where it was a bunch of like uh, yoga mums talking about how sitting down and staring directly into a natural gas flame for 40 minutes like calmed them all down a whole bunch. I bet it calms you down. Carbon monoxide will do that. (laughs) (laughs) They're all just lolling half into comas. (laughs) That's that whole story that we, we, I think we cut it from the pod like a couple episodes ago, but about how like that. Just, it turns out that burning a gas flame in your home does meaningfully generate pollution because it turns out that burning fossil fuels generates pollution, but everyone's so used to cooking with gas cooktops that they're just like, oh, mm. a, a, a gas cooktop doesn't count as burning fossil fuels in my enclosed space that I'm breathing. I never even knew that burning fossil methane in your home was a dangerous thing because if it's pure methane, it should just be making carbon dioxide and water, which are both harmless. Turns out if you're doing it in an enclosed space and it's not pure methane ever, you're right. building up carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, various nitrogen compounds. And it's actually, you've got to have a good range hood there or some good ventilation or you're doing yourself some harm. Um, but you never, ever hear about that. Yeah. Oh, but it makes the food taste better. Like. <laughs> I, I just want to say, if you are an... If you have an Instagram account with a lot of followers and you mm. accept money from the fossil fuel industry to promote something as asinine and brain dead as love cooking with my, my gas stovetop or love taking a hot shower mm. with my gas heater, you are an empty shill. You're a piece of shit. You should feel ashamed of your actions Every waking hour of every fucking day. And the best part about it is we will remember that you did it because the internet lasts for a very fucking long time. You're a fucking climate scab if you do that and you really, really need to think beyond one quick advertising paycheck. Oh, it it feels so gross as well because, like, a lot of the times, like, when I see... Whenever I see like these hashtags of, of, from like influencers and whatever they're promoting and stuff like that, there's usually like a lot of arguments depending on what the product is. Like sometimes if it's diet pills or whatever, and mm. sometimes I see people say, "Oh, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism" or something like that. <laughs> Talk about a misapplication of the term. <laughs> there's still <laughs> there's still <laughs> levels to you, the you thing that you're better. flogging. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, there are a lot of grey areas out there, and people have got to do what they can do for crust, but I think we can be pretty clear that if you accept money from the fossil fuel industry in any situation for anything, no matter where you work, um, that's bad. The fossil fuel industry, I'm going to say, are straight up the worst industry that are actively killing the planet knowingly, and anything you do to help them, you are being complicit in that. Um, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. You're the worst. <laughs> yeah. Fuck just off. just really just like hitting our listeners hard and the the, the all the listeners yeah. that are mostly coming from uh, sponsored Instagram natural God, gas advertising. So, so <laughs> you know, alienating and, a significant yeah. proportion of our listeners. I'm not saying but- don't use gas. I have a gas cooktop. You know, sometimes I drive in a petrol car. We all have to use fossil fuel sometimes because we live in a system where we can't not because they've done that. But if you help them maintain that system and promote that system, you are part of the problem. All right, let's wrap up this week. We want to thank our sponsors, BHP, Billiton. For- <laughs> <laughs> 
actions this week. We don't have a whole ton of actions because there's a lot of shit going on that it's difficult to deal with and it's hard to find a way to meaningfully address it. Who knows how to get by in this world? But uh, Rise Refugee is a really good organization. They're refugees, survivors, and ex-detainees. They are in close contact with the uh, people who've been locked down in the Flemington and Kensington uh, towers and indeed some of them live there. Uh, and so if you're looking to a good organization to donate to, certainly, but also follow for sort of news on the ground, that sort of thing, uh, Rise Refugees is probably the the mm. place that I would recommend that you go. Yeah, they've, they're a, a good stop for just getting the, the news straight from the horse's mouth, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you see stuff from them that seems like a little biased against like the police or the government, that sort of thing. And then you're like, Oh, yeah, of course, they're the people who are on the receiving end of it. Yeah. Of course, they're going to be angry about things. Like, that is a really important perspective to have, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a, it's not an abstract concept for them. They have a cop outside their door two metres away stopping them from seeing their grandmama. Mm. Yeah, no, no riffs off the back of that. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we got. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. You can hit us on the socials at NotGoodPod and send us an email, NotGoodPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear your opinions. We'd love to hear any questions or clarifications that you might have. And if you think there's someone in your social network that might uh, really like this pod, let them know about it. Share it far and wide. We really do appreciate it. If you think there's somebody in your social network who might be a billionaire, let us know about it. <laughs> 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 and it's very easy also if you want to not be put up against the wall just donate most of your billion dollars um you could donate it to us but we probably don't need it that much donate it to other people <laughs> and don't donate like fucking bill gates donated it who's like in bloody 1990 or whatever was like i'm gonna give away half my wealth and now it's 30 years later and he's twice as fucking rich that's not yeah. giving it away that's don't making more don't, don't do start that. a foundation that does not count if you start a foundation that your money is now doing stuff in. You still got that. That's still your yeah, money. It's still your money. Nice try. <laughs> Give it away. <laughs> All right, bye. Not Good Enough was recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging, and sovereignty was never ceded.